Elena Roch won first place in the women's division of the race around Niederösterreich in 2020 with a time of 22 hours and 36 minutes. The beautiful 600km or roughly 373 mile course took racers through Lower Austria, one of the nine states of Austria, climbing 6,000 meters or almost 20,000 feet. Elena had not planned to ride RAN as her first ultra race ever, but after watching the race around Austria, she just fell in love with the atmosphere and decided to spontaneously try to simply finish RAN. Elena has also completed the Oitztaler Rad Marathon. It's 230 kilometers with 5,000 meters of climbing. That's 143 miles and 16,404 feet. That was in 2018 and 2019. I'm your host, Justin Tu. Let's roll. Hey Ultra Family, Justin Tu here, your host of the Ultra Cycling Show. Thanks for tuning in to today's very special episode with Elena Roch, the female champion of last year's Race Around Niederösterreich. Elena, thanks for joining me on the show today. Hi Justin, um, thanks for the invitation. It's an honor to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn from you about how that race went. Now, the overall winner and the male champion was Christoph Strasser, our now co-host of the show. I wish he could have actually interviewed you. It probably would have been more interesting, but I count it as a privilege to have the opportunity to speak with you and to get the inside scoop of the race, the course, how you fared. It was your first real ultra distance race, right? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Very exciting. And how old are you, Elena? I'm 27. Wow, incredible. I think even just at that young age to be doing all the ultra events that you are signing up for nowadays, it's pretty impressive. And I think it's great as a pioneering role model and figure for female ultra athletes as well. Now we've had many strong ones on the show. And so I look forward to following your journey forward. But before then, Let's start with the sprint round of questions, series of questions to get to know you in a fun way, in a nutshell. So Elena, we know that RAN, the race around Niederösterreich, was your first ultra event, but when did you start riding bicycles? Um, so I bought my very first road bike in 2014. Um, but I only did really short distances with that one. Um, and then I lived abroad 2015 and 2016. So I didn't do any cycling there. And then in 2017, I did around 2000 kilometers. And then in the end of that year, decided to do a longer race and then started training more. Hmm. Wow. What incredible yeah. progression. And I'm really curious to find out as we get going, what, what on earth you were thinking when you signed up for RAN? I mean, I don't know if you just... I don't know. <laughs> ...night out and drank wine or something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Okay. So your first ultra event was RAN, Race Around Niederösterreich. That was 2020. 
Would you consider that you started ultra cycling in 2020 then? Yeah, I only did one longer ride before, which is, it was around 500 kilometers, but I only did that on my own just for fun. And I did a few breaks in between, like not longer ones, but I've never done, I'd never done a race before. Around. Okay, amazing. But 500 kilometers, that's still about 320 miles. So that's actually not a short distance at all. Now you have sent through a variety of wonderful photos. Of course, these top ones, we could see race around Niederösterreich. They have great event production there, branding, variety of other nice photos. Now this one, tell us about this. Um, no, that was, I think in 2015, that was when I bought my very first road bike. Um, and together with my boyfriend, I cycled from Passau to Vienna which is a quite popular route along the Danube cycle path. Mm. Um, and I don't know what I was thinking at that point because I hadn't done longer rides. I think the longest ride I had done at that time was around 50 kilometers, <laughs> but we really wanted to do that in one day. And so we just gave it a go and somehow it worked out, but it was really that afterwards. <laughs> I could imagine. Well, it definitely sounds like something in your mind is prime for ultra cycling. It seems like perhaps it's just a natural thing for you. So glad to see you in your element now. And you can see my styling is really on point there. <laughs> yes. Is this your boyfriend here? Yeah, that was when we did the 500 kilometer run. Nice. Wow. So he is quite the cyclist himself then as well. Yeah, I think um, we're pretty lucky that we both enjoy like riding longer distances and um, so we can spend a lot of time together on the bike, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no better way to enjoy each other's company, but by on a grand adventure together, struggling together and triumphing together as well, right? So looking forward to discussing more of those photos in detail as we get going. But back to the sprint round, wondering how many bicycles do you currently own, Elena? Um, as of yesterday, I own five. <laughs> wow. Um, so I still have my very first road bike. Um, I turned it into a cyclocross bike, put on other um, tires, but I don't use that one very often anymore. Then I have um, two road bikes, um, a climbing bike and my Bianchi, which I got as a present last year for my birthday. Wow. Um, and then I have a mountain bike and like yesterday, my very first time trial bike arrived. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> I couldn't is exciting. Yeah, I'd like to see a photo of that. You'll have to send it through and we'll add it into the video. That's really will... exciting, Elena. Geez, getting serious. Going for a yeah, world record or something? <laughs> now, here's your Bianchi that you were riding in the race around Niederösterreich. She's a beauty. Well, does mm -hmm. she have a name? No, actually. No name? 
Mm. All right, unnamed, still yet to be decided. But very nice bike. And I, <laughs> and I see it has disc brakes on it. So it's one of the newer versions, right? Yeah. That's it's awesome. the Aria one. Yeah. I've eyed Bianchi myself, but I ended up going with a specialized Roubaix uh, for mm. the, well, comfort. I like the Bianchi also. I think they just didn't have my size at the time. And then it kind of worked out. So I ended up with the specialized. But I know many riders who have been using Bianchi, including, of course, Shauna Hogan. They call her the queen of ultra cycling. I'm looking forward cool. to having her on the show someday. But Elena, what's your favorite bicycle? You have five of them now. And okay, to be fair to the time trial bike, you've only gotten it yesterday. So you haven't had a chance to really fall in love with it. Which one would you say is your favorite? The Bianchi for the looks. <laughs> and also for the feel. Um, the, the Scott doesn't have disc brakes. And that's a really nice feeling um, going downhill, especially in bad weather. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree more. I love having disc brakes as well. Okay. Which of the bicycles do you ride the most? Is it the Bianchi? Yeah. Right now. Well, in win now in winter, I only ride the Scott because I am hmm. right of the frame of the Bianchi because <laughs> of all the stones and everything on the road um, now in winter. <laughs> but in summertime, I mostly ride the Bianchi. Okay, cool. No, that's good. I'm glad you're taking good care of your Bianchi. She's a beauty. Okay, what size tire do you prefer to use? And what tire pressure do you like running them at? Um, I use a 25 millimeter tire. Mm -hmm. um, and I put in around seven bar more or less but i heard that you're pretty precise about the pressure i don't know so much about it <laughs> to be honest well, okay christoph strasser was saying that in the interview where he interviewed me episode 50 now i don't know if it's a matter of me being precise as or as you've heard he's not precise <laughs> <laughs> so seven bars doing a quick conversion that's about 101 and a half psi for us and so actually we're quite close. Wow. So one day I could be just as fast as you and win ran maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're faster than me. <laughs> what gearing do you like to use? Any particular preference on your bikes? Um, I have um, the Ultegra. Ah, yes. And on the time trial bike, I have an electronic one. Um, so I'm really excited about trying that one out. I've always had mechanical ones. Right. Yeah. Well, well-deserved. That's super exciting. Now, do you train? Well, do you train with a coach? I have been training with a coach for about one and a half months now, but I had never trained with a coach before. <laughs> yeah. So like my training wasn't really structured, to be honest. Right. Now, do you plan to do the race around Niederösterreich this year? I haven't completely made my mind up, but I would love to. Right. I might do it. I haven't signed up yet. 
<laughs> now, I'm not sure. When is the next edition? It's planned in the beginning of May. So not sure what the pandemic situation will be like then. Mm, right. But let's. Yeah. I think it has quite good chances because of the the um, starts. It's not a mass start, so I think mm. it might be. Yeah, well, I hope it will be put on. I know RAN is just such a well-done event. I loved the live streaming as well. It was very high, high quality. And even from here in California, I was able to follow along. And um, yeah, all the best for that. Now, how fit would you say you are on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being super fit right now? Well, that's pretty hard compared to, I mean... To whom you compare yourself? No, just um, yourself. How are you feeling? I feel pretty good at the moment. I mean, before Christmas and after Christmas, I was able to do lots of riding because I had um, two weeks of work. So that felt pretty pretty good. And right now, I'm doing lots of different activities like cross country skiing, ski touring, running. Um, wow. so Impressive. It's, it's pretty nice to, to get in a bit of variety and it feels good. Yeah. The cross training is important and I'm sure it'll do you a lot of good. So would you say like maybe around a seven or eight in terms of your own fitness? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like <laughs> now when you're training, I suppose now with the coach, you're training by time then? You're doing a lot of in intervals? Are you doing a lot of indoor riding on the stationary bike? Yeah, I do. Um, it's the first time I'm, I'm doing really structured intervals, and it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, before, I also like to do intervals by myself, but just not that structured. So I just went up the mountain and back down and did that three or four times but nothing really structured. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be exciting to see how fit you become through working with your coach's plan. I mean, even without any structured workouts, you did very well. It ran, and I'm sure in many of the other rides and adventures you've done. So it's very exciting. Now, I'd imagine at the beginning when you started your plan, did you do some kind of FTP, functional threshold power test or ramp test or something like that? Um, yeah, like the lactate um, threshold. Mm. Um, I did that before uh, RAN actually, because mm. when I signed up for RAN, that was a month, about a month prior to the race, and it was a really spontaneous decision. <laughs> I hadn't planned on signing up actually. Um, so after I signed up, I was like, "What? What did I do? <laughs> what did?" I so I, um, I ordered a power meter because I didn't have one before that. Mm. And then I did um, a performance test just before run to just know my um, lactate threshold, like the, the level. Um, and that was the last time I had done a performance test. Okay, pretty cool. So that's exciting. You, you were taking things very seriously there. And you were talking about the lactate 
threshold. I was asking about the power threshold, essentially. Have you done a power test? Do you know what your numbers are there? It was like 245 watts at the end of summer. Uh -huh. um, but I'm not sure right now. Yeah, so it sounds like you're quite a strong rider and it'll only get better from there given that you're doing a lot of structured training now. So going, Elena. Okay, so on the bike, what's your favorite ride snack? What do you like eating when you're riding and racing? Um, so when it's really hot, I sometimes really crave some kind of um, drink, like cold drink, like vanilla milk or chocolate milk or something like that. Hmm. Um, and other than that, um, I like savory stuff more. So not like a whole lot of sweet muesli bars. I can't eat that hmm. after a few anymore. Um, so maybe sometimes I make some muesli bars myself or some kind of couscous balls that I can take with me or something like that. Oh, wow. Sounds good. So are you a gourmet chef? <laughs> <laughs> not really, no. <laughs> I'm not sure you would want to eat my, my right snacks. Now, after a hard, long ride, like say ran, What's your favorite post-ride meal? Like, what do you look forward to eating? Maybe you're thinking about it as you're coming into the finishing stretch, you know, something you're craving. Um, some pasta, a big plate of pasta. <laughs> Yum. Now, what do you like having on it? A specific sauce, any kinds of uh, toppings like meats or cheeses? Maybe just some kind of, tomato sauce and cheese or anything like that. Mm, sounds good. Okay. <laughs> Do you prefer climbs, descents, rollers, or flats? Oh, I love climbs. Um, oh. Just that, like the challenge going uphill and then the view that you get when at the top or also during the climb and then um, just being at the top and um, descending as well. Right. So I really yeah, prefer climbs I feel the same way. So we'll have to go do a climb together someday. Now, what is one of your favorite climbs, perhaps in the Austria area or anywhere else? Um, in Austria, the Großglockner is a great climb. That's the, um, the highest mountain in Austria. And you have a um, very popular pass route onto that one, um, which gives you really pretty views. Um, and apart from that, I love many mountain passes in Italy. There are such beautiful ones, uh -huh. like in the South Tyrol area and a bit further south. Um, yeah, yeah no, sounds good. Philip Kider, episode 23, he also did RAM, came just behind Christoph Strasser, and he was talking all about that tallest mountain there in Austria. Say it one more time again. I'm not that confident to say it myself. <laughs> um, it's called Großglockner. 
Oh, wow. I'm not even going to attempt that one. I think I need a few more hours of practice before I'll publicly <laughs> attempt that one. <laughs> now you talk about going downhill and on your beautiful Bianchi, you have disc brakes now. So I'm wondering, what is your fastest that you've ever gone down a hill? Um, it's, I think it's around 96 kilometers per hour, somewhere around there. All right. So just just about 60 miles per hour for us here in the States. So that's that's a fast speed. I know I was doing an outdoor ride just the other day and I hit about, I think it was 48 miles per hour and I was starting to get a little jittery, you know? <laughs> yeah, me too when I go fast, but it's a great feeling at the same time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially in a nice, long, non-technical descent. Definitely mm. a lot of fun. Okay, when do you enjoy riding the most, Elena? During the fall, the winter, the spring, or the summertime? Um, I love the spring and the fall because of the temperatures and the smells that you get and like the leaves changing and everything. Mm. Um, I don't like summer too much, especially during the daytime because I, when it's warmer than 30 degrees, I, I don't enjoy riding. <laughs> anymore um and winter it can be nice as long as the roads are not icy and as long as it's not really really cold mm, yeah good points now you said you prefer ri not riding when it's above 30 degrees celsius which is about 86 fahrenheit that sounds like a really nice day of riding for me <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm really jealous of people that can ride with temperatures over 30, 35, um, because I feel like all my energy levels are going down like really fast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, in the race around Niederösterreich, now that was during what, like the fall time, right? So what was the like highest temperature that you reached and also the coldest temperature? I think the highest was... A bit below 20 um, during the daytime. And then the lowest was around zero degrees. Oh, wow. So during the night, cold, in the morning. Right. So Yeah, a uh, lot of people after the race said that they were really cold. I didn't feel it too much. I think I was just at the time when it was coldest, I was really in, in the flow kind of. So it wasn't too cold. Wow. I guess your mind was just frozen. You couldn't think properly. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so for us here in the U.S., that is between 32 degrees Fahrenheit and 68. So 68 is beautiful weather. That is amazing. You know, God with shorts, everything. But 32 degrees, that is literally freezing. So, Wow. Does it ever get that cold in California when you're out riding? Generally not, especially here where I am in the San Francisco Bay Area where it's sea level. So it's very rare that you would even get into the high 30s in a particularly bad winter. But I would say it's quite common to be in the 40s and 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And just estimating without doing a calculation, I guess, you know, probably what, between five to 10 degrees, maybe at the coldest, but generally it's pretty moderate here. Now we are blessed in California. Of course, the country is very large. People on the East coast 
And even when you get into the mountains, not just in Colorado, but there are a few here in California, the Sierras, Lake Tahoe is very popular, Yosemite, and then you can get to the colder temperatures with snow and ice and everything. Mm. Must Now, be really nice riding there as well. Yes, when you come visit, I'll take you to some of the popular climbs and descents. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, do you, uh, what time of day do you prefer riding your bike, Elena? Um, I like the mornings and the evenings. The evenings, because I'm actually not such a morning person, so it's really hard for me to get up early in the morning. But on the other hand, it's such a great feeling when you have done your training, training already um, before work and Also, there are not so many cars out on the road in the morning, which I really enjoy. And so mm. I've come to, to enjoy mornings more during the last years. Right. Yeah, makes good sense. It is perhaps a discipline of being an athlete is difficult. And especially if you're working. So you are. So I'm wondering, what time do you typically ride then if you're riding in the morning time? Maybe in summertime around 5.30, Oh, yeah. That's nice and early. Okay, Lena. So you've done the race around Niederösterreich, and you've done a variety of other fairly long distances and up to 500 kilometers as well. What do you think so far? Does ultra cycling require more physical or mental strength and training? Um, I think probably as you get to more advanced level for elite riders, for example, it's probably like, um, Christoph Strasser always says more about the physical, um, part, but for me personally, it was both obviously, but more the, the mental, mental part. Because when I did my first um longer distance like 300 kilometers i wasn't training much and i had never done such distance before and everything hurt and i was so sore in all parts of my body <laughs> like before even reaching about 100k um and i think without the mental um, um ability or yeah I couldn't have finished and if you know your why why you're doing something and you just really want to reach something then i think a lot more is possible um, than just with the physical physical ability yeah well said as an amateur writer myself i would agree that You know, perhaps at the elite levels, you know, the physical aspect is really where you're going to get a lot of your edge. Because typically to even make it there, you already have some mental strength to get to that point to do the training. But for us rookies, it is really more about, I think, experience and just getting our minds wrapped around what certain distances are, the feelings, the pain, the discomfort, and overcoming that. But I must say it is... Um, encouraging that it is possible to train ourselves mentally. And I'm sure as you've already seen in accomplishing RAN, especially winning it, that must do a lot for you mentally. 
and it makes it easier perhaps i don't know actually to sign up for it again <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not sure i mean it would be a whole lot of different situation before the start probably because um last year i went into it and i i was fine with finishing last <laughs> because i thought i would be one of the last to finish or even the last last racer to finish it and i was fine with that because i just wanted to stay in like before the cutoff time of 30 hours um and so this year if i sign up again i'm not sure what i would expect from myself um in comparison to last year so i guess it would make it difficult as a defending champion so kind of wait <laughs> okay one other question here in the sprint round when you think of ultra cycling who pops into your mind um so my big role models during the last years were um, Christoph Strasser and Alexandra Meixner. She is an Austrian uh, ultra cyclist as well. Mm. She has also finished uh, the race across America and she's a record holder of several, I think, ultra triathlons. Mm. Um, so I've followed um, these two riders during the last years. Yeah. Lucky to have such amazing inspirations there in your home country of Austria. And of course, I always wonder between Austria and the bordering country of Slovenia, what's in the water over there that's making you all so strong? <laughs> now, Alexander was not racing Ran this year, but I do think I saw her in the live stream, right? I think she was uh, giving some talk on there with some of the hosts. Um, she, I think she lives in a village next to Vatra or somewhere really close. Um, mm. And as she finished and won um, the run last year, she was there and it was, it was really cool. I saw her from the corner of my eye at the starting line that she was standing at um, like next to the start and cheering. And that gave me a real push when I started. It was pretty cool. Oh, I can imagine. That's amazing. And then, of course, at the finish line, you were with Christoph on the stage. And I do have an image here from social media on Facebook. Here's a great image of both of you, two graphics. And, of course, yeah. there are many others here. It was just, again, a very well-done event. Now, this photo here, I guess, is when you're rolling into the finish line, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And you look pretty happy to be finished, I suppose. <laughs> oh, I That's on the finishing stage. So time of 22 hours, 36 minutes. Very impressive. First place, of course, for the females. Accepting your award there. Pretty now looking here at the ran website so we could see there was live tracking of course there was a live stream the only event that i'm aware of that did a live stream so well with a really full production and then of course here in the results page we could see your name here at the very top solo woman is what i'm guessing this translates to how mm -hmm. do you say that word 
Um, weiblich. Weibly. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, <laughs> awesome. So it looks like there you are, first place. And in fact, quite a distance uh, from Bianca, actually. Uh, was it a close race? I mean, out there on the road? Did you see her at all? Did you guys ever change places? It was really close, I was told afterwards, because um, the funny thing is that I told my team in the pace car that I didn't want to know where the other girls are mm. um, before I started, because I was so sure that everyone would overtake me. <laughs> um, and so I thought, well, I don't really care where the others are. I just want to finish myself. And I know Bianca from um, other races. She's a really strong and really inspirational rider. And I'm just about, um, I think, a bit more than a month before um, the race around Niederösterreich. She had finished the um, race around Austria in a two-person team together with her husband. Um, so that was pretty cool. And so um, I was sure that she would overtake me. Um, I think she was on, on a time trial bike and in the long flat part. Um, so my team also never told me where the other girls are. <laughs> um, and we actually never changed places. I think Bianca started half an hour after me, like the starting time when she, she left Weitra. Uh, right. Right. Um, it is an important thing to note for viewers. So you solo racers are having a staggered start. So you're not all starting at the same time. So, I mean, in terms of figuring out if you're ahead or behind, you really have to do some calculations, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And talking about your crew, is this them? Yeah. Awesome. That's, Who do we have here? My sister on the right. Um, and then my boyfriend next to me and a friend. That is so cool. Dream team. <laughs> and really is this your follow vehicle here? Yeah. Wow, very nice. Jeez, that, that's a nice big follow vehicle. It seems like you could take a sleep break in there. It's like a luxury. Yeah, it was actually the perfect vehicle. It was really uh, spontaneously that we got it because... Um, as I signed up just a month before, we were thinking which vehicle could we use? Should we use the normal car? Um, and then my boyfriend's parents are wine growers. So they have this vehicle for um, getting the wine to their customers. <laughs> so we could oh. use that. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That worked out perfectly. Who would have thought? So I guess wine growers are well positioned to become ultra endurance racers and crew members <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's awesome so here in california of course we have napa valley and sonoma very popular winelands so anybody looking for a good crew members i suppose should go there and find some of the wine growers <laughs> <laughs> no that's very cool and then of course here it looks like at the finish line here holding up your award there's your crew as well yeah and how did it your crew fare? I mean, have they had any experience with ultra events and crewing? No, and that was um, so cool as well because we were just not sure what 
would happen at the race is no one had any experience, um, but they did perfectly. And it was so much fun. And I was a bit afraid that they would be like bored um, during the race. So my mom put a blanket and some cushions for my sister in there because she said, yeah, well, you will be bored after a few hours. So you can go to sleep on the, yeah. in the back of the, of the van. <laughs> And actually, they were also like fully excited about the race the whole whole time during the race, and it was it really pushed me as well to see how much fun they had in a pace car, and that was really cool experience. Oh, that's so awesome! Were they able to call into the live stream when you guys were out there on the course? No, um, they didn't. I think. We didn't have any signal at the time they were supposed to call them or something like that. Right, right, right. Now, talking about the course, I do want to switch over now to see some of that so we can get an idea of what you were riding and what the conditions were. So, of course, here's the route. Now, if we zoom out first to give everyone an idea of where Austria is if they're not familiar. So of course, looking out here at the map, and if we zoom in, of course, Central Europe here. And again, we were talking about Slovenia down below here, south of Austria. And then as you go into Austria, it's this top right portion. Interestingly though, in our episode with the organizers of RAN, Christian Troll and George Franschitz, they were educating me. And, you know, I thought it's called Lower, well, Lower Austria translated, Niederösterreich. So I thought it was the lower section of Austria, but it actually turns out it's talking about the elevation of the country. And I guess this is the lowest area of Austria, right? Yeah, something. I think Georg explained it. I didn't know that so much in detail either. <laughs> yes. So it makes sense. So you're from the wine country, essentially. And of course, that's where all the ultra cycling um, crew members and races are, I guess, you know, because you have the sprinter vans and everything. So I guess it makes sense now why you're doing ultra uh, cycling. Philip Kider is from there as well. Think. Oh, really? Okay. So there must be something. It's not in the water. It's actually in the wine. That's what <laughs> 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 I'll have to ask Christoph. Wine, so if you want to come and visit, not for the not only for the cake, but for the wine. <laughs> yes, yes. George and Christian were telling me about the delicious cake, even that they were serving there in the race. But good to know. I'll have to ask Christoph Strasser on the next time we're on the episode together if he's drinking the wine there also. And maybe that's how he has won Ram six times. <laughs> <laughs> now going back to the course. If we look down below at the elevation, so you kind of start a bit of a elevation and then it drops down. And as you mentioned, you kind of get a nice flat, fast section, right? Before you hit the latter half of the course where you're doing some climbing. And of course we're doing a clockwise loop around lower Austria. And of course it starts and ends in Waitra, as you mentioned earlier. So, just kind of looking at the course and trying to think back again on your race. I'd like to understand the different sections of the ride and how you were feeling as you were riding along the course. 
Mm -hmm. um, so the first 100 kilometers is they're pretty hilly and I felt great. Um, the weather was great and after two or three hours I think the sun was setting. It was a really pretty sunset um, and the legs still felt really fresh. So that was that really felt really good. Mm. Um, then after a hundred kilometers, the flat section started, and that's the area where, because I'm from the the Wine Quarter, like I said, and my hometown is about 15, 20 kilometers from where the route passed by. Mm. So many many of my friends and my family came to cheer at me at different parts of the route. So oh, yeah. from kilometer 100 till 150, more or less, um, every few um, kilometers, there were people at the side of the road cheering at me. Um, so that was oh. amazing. That was really motivating. Mm. Um, and then it was dark at the time already. And then the night started. Um, and I felt pretty good during the flat part. I hadn't thought that I would feel that good and we didn't need a break mm. till I think after 250 kilometers more or less, mm. which was pretty cool. Um, and then um, the climbing started and I reached um, Semmering, which is, um, I'm not sure, I think a time station, the second time station was there, somewhere mm. around there. Um, but you had to stop for a little interview and for some um, cake um, oh, yeah. there um, after the first climb. Yep. Um, and um, the sun was rising there. And I got really into the flow, which I was talking about before, where it was really cold, but it was just amazing, um, the climbing there. The landscape is... is really pretty there and I felt great um, and then you you go on and then you cross the Danube again and then the last 80 I think it's like 80 kilometers it's a lot of um, hills so it's it doesn't look like it but it's going up and down all the time like that and it was pretty pretty exhausting um the last hours um but it was only the the last 150 kilometers that i knew that i was leading because as i told you before i told my team not to tell me where i'm at and then um 150 kilometers before the end um georg actually called um, my team in the pace car georg Kronschitz, and he told them that i was leading <laughs> um <laughs> And they couldn't believe it. And then they were like, well, now there's only one gas now, full, full, full power. And so I, um, I pushed through. <laughs> Amazing. Well done. And then, of course, you had a stellar performance, first place, beating out your competitors. And you had a very strong ride, in fact. And, I mean, even looking here at the results page again, so, of course, you were the first female finisher. And we can see Christoph Strasser won. 
both overall in the time, but also for the men. And then Philip Kider, who we had on the show, was second behind him. Very close to the race there as well. But as we look at the roster, so some 45 racers in the male division, and looking at the finishing times here, it appears that even yourself, I mean, do you know what your position was overall without us doing a uh, calculation here? It looks like you were somewhere in the top, what, 15, 16, 17 or so, somewhere here. So out of about 50 races, you did very, very well, both male and female. And uh, so I'm very impressed to give people an idea and a context for how fast you were going and what a strong performance you did have. Of course, the route is some 600 kilometers, which is 372.47 miles. So it's almost a, what we might consider here, especially in California, a quadruple century and 33,000, almost 34,000 feet of elevation gain, a lot of climbing. So it wasn't an easy ride by any measure, yet you were able to do it as your first ultra event, which I think is a very long distance to be a person's first ultra race, but you were able to do it. And not only did you finish, and as you said, you thought perhaps you would come in one of the last positions, but in fact, you came in the first position. So very well done, of course, and congratulations. A well-deserved victory, and I'm sure you must feel very proud I'm curious to know, Elena, what was the most difficult part for you in the almost 23 hours of riding on the saddle? Mm, good question. One difficult part was um, just before the, the flat part ended, I was really, I was really looking forward to the climb already. <laughs> Um, and you had to go through this um, one town, which is called uh, Wiener Neustadt. And there is one straight road and you can see, I don't know, it felt like 500. <laughs> I think it's like 15 tra traffic lights. Wow. And it was, I think, four in the morning. So there was no traffic at all, but all the traffic lights were red. And oh my goodness. one turned green. I went on and then you could see the next traffic light turning right again <laughs> and you had to stop again and again and again um, although there was no traffic that was <laughs> um, exhausting um, and then the second part which felt really hard was um, I think that was maybe a hundred kilometers before the, um, the finish I had my um, like the, the intercom the headset mm -hmm. is that the right word in english exactly yeah okay um so i had it like that and after a break um i couldn't find it anymore so i couldn't speak anymore um and i heard the people in the pace car still talk to me and my sister was like it's gone it's gone leave it and so i thought well damn i somehow lost it <laughs> um, and it felt really annoying that I couldn't talk to them anymore. Um, I heard them talk to me, but I couldn't answer and I couldn't ask any questions. <laughs> um, and after an hour, we stopped again. And my boyfriend was like, are you okay? Um, are you really tired? Can you go on writing? And I was like, uh -huh. of course, why? 
And then they told me that it was just like somewhere there. And my sister thought it was a bee. So she said, leave it, it's gone. Uh-huh. And it was actually there. And they thought, because I didn't speak anymore, I was going crazy and I, <laughs> I couldn't try it anymore. That's um, hilarious, Elena. What so a funny story. Funny. <laughs> yeah, so I have a photo here. Of course, uh, you can kind of see it there, the intercom or the microphone. And I wonder if we could see it in another photo here. You can kind of see it at the angle. So very common to use in long distance events to communicate with the crew. So somehow it just moved and you you weren't uh, sure you couldn't feel it there. And so that's that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, but you were talking about the traffic lights earlier and I know that's a common frustration. Um, you know, some events are definitely much more urban or have a lot more uh, lights in them. And it's always a frustration, especially if you're racing to have to stop at them. And of course, for you know, any event, it should be required to follow the traffic laws just for safety also as well. And so we can understand that. But when you're racing and it could be a close race, it is frustrating and having a slow down. In the, in the run, I heard from other riders that it was the same for them, at least. And I mean, that was the only town, I think, where there were so many traffic lights. Apart from that, it was it was a really nice route. So... Yeah, I can imagine. Now, which is the most scenic section of the uh, course for yourself? I'm just looking at the map again here. Well, for me, it's the part in the south, like okay. where you have that um, sharp part. Huh? Um, yeah, like over there, mm-hmm, okay. that part. Okay, so it looks like it's like in the mountains then, right? Mm-hmm. This section. And at the time I was riding there, the sun was just rising. It was a beautiful um, sunrise and a little foggy. And yeah, it was really beautiful. Sounds like the backdrop of an epic adventure to me. Very nice. So how long after completing the event were you recovered enough to think, okay, I think I could probably do it again or okay, I'm not crazy after all. I mean, you when you signed up, you had no idea what you got yourself into. Like at which point did you start thinking either before the race, during the race, or maybe it was after that you thought, okay, I am saying after all, this is doable. Like I'm going to make it. I mean, I never had a really low point during the race, which you sometimes have right when you doing a race or doing a long training ride. Um, I was, I guess, pretty lucky during that day that I didn't, I never had that. Um, but I never really had the thought of, I will make it for sure because so much can happen. And especially with no experience, if some technical issue occurs or I don't know so much that can happen. So I didn't want to expect too much in order to not be frustrated because I had that in mind that I maybe wouldn't finish. Mm. Um, But yeah, I was even happier that it worked out so well in the end. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm sure. And what do your family think of, you know, what you did? Maybe when you first signed up, I mean, were you afraid to tell anyone initially, especially in your family? Not afraid. They, they know already that I'm a bit crazy. So <laughs> they shook their head and were like, well, okay, that's just another crazy idea. So <laughs> not too surprised. <laughs> So they're used to your craziness. Now, what are they thinking now after having won Ran? Um, well, obviously they were proud, but I think, um, especially my parents, they always support me in um, sports and, of course, obviously other other things that I'm doing. So I think they would have been same proud if i had only finished so mm. yeah beautiful thing yeah and i can relate my parents have been some of the best crew and supporters for me as well and it does take teamwork to make the dream work and makes a big difference so it's cool and i'm glad you're able to celebrate together now looking to the future elena i'm wondering wow what an incredible way to start your ultra cycling career like it can only get easier from here, I think. <laughs> what are your future plans? What's on your bucket list? Um, regarding races, I would love to do the Race Around Austria Challenge um, this year. Let's hope it, it can take place with the pandemic. That's about the same distance as Ron. Oh, okay. Pretty much compared to riding around Lower Austria, it's, I think, riding around Upper Austria. Hmm. So the whole race around Austria is, you ride pretty much around Austria, and that one you ride around um, Upper Austria. So it's, I think, 560 kilometers, and also a bit more than 6,000 meters of climbing. Um, that would be nice to finish. Um, and apart from that, I'm not sure, um, the race across Italy would be cool from what I've heard. Mm. Um, yeah, and you said you really do enjoy some of the climbs out there as well. So that does sound like it would be a dream race to participate in. Now, of course you have a coach, so you are taking some training seriously. So I could just imagine that you're setting yourself up, whether consciously or perhaps just unknowingly, for some pretty big races, whether it's a super long distance or the distance of RAN or the uh, Race Around Austria Challenge. So what do you envision for yourself in the next few years? Do you envision that you will pursue the longer events, like the multi-day events, uh, even including maybe the race across the West or the race across America, whether solo or in a relay team, you know, things of that nature? Or do you think you would prefer staying on the shorter end to give it a faster, harder performance? Good question. Mm, I'm not sure. I think it's always great to dream big and to like set big challenges for yourself. Um, I'm not sure if I will ever be able to be on a level that I could ever finish the 
race across America. But of course, it's uh, like a big don't sell for so every cyclist, right? You um, are the Ram champion 2020. Of course, you can do it. <laughs> um, well, okay, I mean, so let me put it to you this way. Um, aside from thinking or not, if you would be able to or not uh, accomplish a race across America, would you like to do it? It would be a cool experience, like a once in a lifetime experience for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. But I also love not racing these like um, new routes to me, but also just going on um, bikepacking trips and, I would love to do um, um, longer bikepacking trips in the next years, um, just for myself, just for the for the for the experience. Um, so that's no, also a goal. Yeah, that sounds nice. There's so much adventure out there to be had, and so many ways to enjoy, even on two wheels on your bicycle, and many disciplines even within cycling. Now, I'm curious. Okay, there is bikepacking, and then there's kind of randonneuring. Would you consider doing something like Paris Brest Paris or have you done any of the brevets or anything like that out there in Austria or in other countries? I haven't done any, but I have looked into them. Mm. Um, like I've looked into London, Edinburgh, London. Um, uh, but I saw that it was, I think it only takes place every four years and it was supposed to take place this year. But I saw that they um, postponed it to 2022 because of COVID. So maybe that would be cool. Yeah, that like sounds that. fun. Now, how about other countries? So you mentioned Italy. Where else would you like to either race or do some bike packing? Um, I would love to do a longer trip over several months, maybe going into East Asia. Southeast Asia and then finish off somewhere in Australia, New Zealand. Um, wow. And they're pretty cool routes in South America as well. They would be amazing as well. Um, cool. So many amazing places around the world. <laughs> it's hard to, to decide. Uh, from our conversation, it seems like you very much are an adventurer. So that's very cool. And I'm glad you're able to do it with your boyfriend as well. It must be so much fun and being able to enjoy that together. Now, I do want to show some of the other photos that you sent through, some of the other adventures that you have had. So perhaps let's start with this one here. What are we looking at here, Elena? Um, that was the first time I cycled up a real, like real mountain pass. Mm. Um, in 2016, I moved to close to Innsbruck, which is in Tyrol in the Alps, just in the western part of Austria. Oh. Um, that's when I started doing um, bigger mountains. Okay. Now, this particular climb, is that saying 2020 meters is, is the top? Altitude. Okay. Right. But it's like a thousand four hundred meters of climbing. Okay. Cool. So I think that's around three to 4,000 feet. And it's a beautiful view there, snow-capped mountains. It is. And okay. it felt really hard. What is this up here? 
that was one of the first races I participated in, just about 90 kilometers long, I think. Oh, wow. I was really happy. <laughs> yeah, that looks nice. Very fun. And of course, we saw this photo, the start of your craziness. Now, where is this? It looks beautiful there. Uh, that's um, at the Danube. I can't tell you where exactly. I think it's in Upper Austria, somewhere between Upper Austria and Lower Austria. Um, yeah, beautiful. Okay, same races earlier. Now, this photo you said, was it which, uh, it was a tour you did or bikepacking you did with your boyfriend? Um, yeah, that was the 500 kilometer tour we did. That was um, just basically out of a crazy idea because um, where I live in Tyrol, that's about 500 kilometers driving from the, um, the town where I'm from in, in Low Austria. And so sometimes we're doing the drive quite often when we're going home for family events or something like that. And it was Mother's Day that weekend. And I was like, I'm tired of driving again. We could just go home by bike and just cycle through the night so <laughs> save time being oh. in the car <laughs> so that's how I, okay I'm up with 320 miles that is uh i don't know if i would choose that over just driving <laughs> i was much better than driving <laughs> yeah no i can imagine actually i used to have a annual tradition with my brother when we were in university and on Thanksgiving Day here in California, in the U.S., we would bike uh, home to our parents. Now, it is a much shorter route, so it was much easier to do. It was only about 110 miles or so. And uh, so just a very sh short century. But back then, when I just started university, I wasn't much of a cyclist, let alone an ultra cyclist. So for me, 100 miles uh, just seemed like such a long distance. Now, of course... It seems like you could do that almost every day when you're in your good form. <laughs> it's crazy how you can um, change your limits so quickly, right? Yeah, and it's true. And we were kind of talking about that earlier. And I believe that even in my episode where uh, Christoph had interviewed me, I was kind of reflecting back on my own beginnings, very similar to you. But I would say you started with much longer distances of course, in California, we do a lot of 200-mile races, double centuries, they're called. And, and I feel like even at that level, it is quite a challenge, uh, especially if you're riding hard. But um, it is incredible how you just go from you know, one pedal stroke to the next, one mile at a time. And before you know it, you, you know, you're at the starting line of the race across America. It's <laughs> pretty cool, yeah. Now, here's a wonderful photo, another gorgeous backdrop here. Tell me about what this is. Um, that's in Tyrol as well. Well, basically, that road is um, still in Italy, in South Tyrol. That's the, it's called Timmelsjoch, the mountain pass. And on the top of the pass, you cross the border to Austria. Um, and that was during the Ötztaler um, Radmarathon. Um, it's a race that takes place every year in Tyrol and it's pretty popular with races in Europe and they have um, um, a draw over the starting places you have to apply 
because so many people want to do it every year. Incredible. And we got a starting place two years in a row. That was amazing. You wow. go over four mountain passes. Um, so it's quite hard, but it's amazing, like the landscape and everything and the whole um, atmosphere at the race is just amazing. Yeah, it almost looks fake looking at this. I mean, first of all, the photograph is very nice, but then also it just looks like a dream, something from a fairy tale, the bicycle fairy tales. <laughs> I see the snow-capped mountains in the back, nice valley there below, and this beautiful climb. And you're right, you are talking earlier about the gorgeous views that you can see, and I can tell why you enjoy the climbs if you're able to ride these kinds of mountain passes there in Austria. And you also mentioned it's very popular. I could see back there a lot of people, a lot of them, even just here where you are, and uh, a lot of people are suffering, it looks like. <laughs> Whereas oh, yeah. can, that, 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 that is the right? last pass. Uh, I think that part where the photo was taken, it's still maybe three, four hundred meters of climbing to go out of um, 5,000. Wow. So you're really suffering at that point. <laughs> The, the smile was really faked for the photo. <laughs> oh, okay. I understand now. Makes good sense. Good to get the story behind it. But I must say it's a very well done fake smile there. Very believable. <laughs> good for the photo. <laughs> yeah. As I mentioned, if we zoom in here, looking at the people back there, really looks like they're struggling there. Well done. Yeah, I think it's I hope one day I can visit there as well and bike on this beautiful mountain pass yeah i'll take you there <laughs> oh wonderful all right i'll hold you to that and you can fill up one of my bottles with some of your famous wine and give me a nice cake that i'll keep in my jersey just like if anybody saw the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah if anyone saw the episode episode 50 with me and christoph you I was telling about one of my favorite uh, ride snacks early on in my years as an ultra cyclist. And it was a, you know, Subway sandwich, like a deli sandwich. And I would stuff that into my back pocket and I would nibble on it here and there. So perhaps I could do that again, but with the cake. Not sure how that will work out though. <laughs> the chocolate cake when it's really hot. <laughs> <I'm> not sure. <laughs> okay, beautiful photo. Okay, here's a gorgeous one. I can't tell if this is sunrise or sunset. I think sunrise, maybe. No, that, that was sunset. That was a oh. restaurant Niederösterreich as well. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Now, was this near Waitra? The reason I asked, I see that big white building in the back. I know in Waitra there was that big famous castle thing. Is this somewhere? I, no, but that's not Waitra. That oh. just looks similar, but you're right. That looks similar. Oh, okay, okay. I'm just I'm just trying to pretend like I know what I'm talking about, you know. <laughs> well, very nice photograph. And there, of course, are your Bianchi. Okay, what are we looking at here? Some night riding. That was also uh, Ron. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. Now, was it freezing cold here at this part? People said it was cold, but I didn't feel too cold. Hmm. Um, and the reason I ask is because I see you're not wearing any leg warmers, knee warmers, or anything like that. So, I yeah. mean, are you just very used to the cold? I don't get too cold on my legs. 
that's where I don't have to wear that much. If I'm wearing, if my feet are warm and my my hands and my head, uh -huh. um, then usually I'm I'm fine. <laughs> wow, impressive. Okay, here's a cool photo. Where are we here? That's the um, Zoncolan. It's a really steep pass in Italy. And I was so proud when I got there because that was, um, as you can see, I had my, my luggage with me. That was a bikepacking trip cool. um, this summer. And we had done around 150 kilometers before getting to that pass. We only had to do that pass and then descend. And then the hotel was um, in the valley, but it felt so hard and but it's a beautiful, it's, it's still, it's a beautiful climb. I felt yeah, great. Imagine. At the top yeah, it looks like fun. Again, another fake smile there. Okay, maybe if we caught you 100 meters before you got here, pedaling, maybe then it would be a fake one. But yeah, nice setup you have there. And it looks like, is that, that your Scott bike? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. All right. A lot of people here at this one. Tell me about this event. That's also the, um, the Edstala mm. um, Marathon, where we saw the, the photo from up the climb before. Oh, okay. So that's the same event. That's nice. Now, I see here on the time. So that's nine hours, 46 minutes. So it's what was the distance of this event? It's quite long then. Um, it's 230 kilometers and a bit over 5,000 meters of climbing. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of climbing. Nice. Okay. Same event here? Um, yeah, the same, but a year before with not so nice weather. Yeah. I, yeah <laughs> wow, it's raining. Now, was it cold? Yeah, it was really cold. Okay, so it was cold. Uh, Sorry, and and I see again no leg warmers or anything. So, geez, I guess you really just are okay and resilient in the cold weather. And wow, very impressive. Okay, now was this also from the year before? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So you can see. It took us an hour longer the year before. <laughs> ah, impressive. So you definitely are improving. That's exciting. Yes, but I think I improved a little, but you could you can also not compare it that well because on some of the descents, you can go really fast when the weather is good. And in the first year, I it was just so foggy. You couldn't see a lot on the descents and raining and... Right. Um, I had my final exam at university just two days later, so I <laughs> didn't risk missing that because of being in hospital or anything. So I went rather slow. Yeah, smart. Got to play it safe. Okay, now what was this uh, photo from? Was this from the event? Uh, that's another race last year um, okay. in, in, in Lower Austria as well. Nice. Um, great race and that's in in italy bikepacking 
that again that backdrop it, it looks so beautiful it looks fake i mean so majestic the mountains really, with the clouds but, um, yeah. if, if you have people from europe listening maybe that's it's called Passo del Vivione and it's an amazing climb it's so cool there's nearly no traffic and so beautiful all right so um, here's a very nice bikepacking trip again that's bikepacking in Switzerland um, that's when the weather switched as well and mm. um, it was summer but it was pretty cold it was a great day as well mm. very fun Okay, how about this one here? Um, that was one of the first races before doing the um, the Edstala when I started um, racing. Ah, uh, cool, cool. And right, then, of course, I got this photo here from Facebook again as a reminder. Champion there next to Christoph, both of you, the male and female champions for. Ran 2020. Looking forward so to following the yeah. Cool um graphic that um Christian the one of the organizers of Ran um created there. It's pretty cool. Right. Now tell me how did it feel to be, you know, accepting your word and being on stage with Christoph and then also meeting him. I think I had this other photo here, a very very nice one. I see it was in an article. I mean, he's one of your inspirations and role models. So, I mean, that must have been so cool, right? Yeah, I felt really, really unreal. <laughs> really unreal. Um, I knew that he would, um, that he also participated in run before I started. And so I did have the thought before racing that I could maybe catch him at the finish line and ask him for a photo. <laughs> um, but I would have never imagined that we would be standing there with the Austrian flag around our shoulders and having a picture taken of us. So, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Great memory. Well-deserved as well. I'm sure there'll be much more of that to come as we follow your journey. Now, Elena, kind of switching gears here as we get towards the end of our time together. I'm wondering what motivates you and drives you? You know, you know, what motivated you to sign up for RAN in the first place? And what motivates you to, you know, have a coach now, keep training? You know, is it a personal ambition? Is there a certain cause that you ride for? You know, what is driving you forward? Hmm. Several reasons. I think it's like being, I just love being on a bike for a really long time and just, I feel just free when I'm on the bike and um, just this, this feeling of um, like, like we talked before pushing your limits and you're like extending them just gives me and I think many other riders so much um, energy and motivation because you see what you can do and we can, what you can achieve, what you maybe had thought before that you couldn't. Um, and apart from that, I also love to, to explore these many places and having a good basis, like good base fitness, um, gives me the opportunity to do this long distances 
and to see much more and that's also a bit big motivation mm, yeah a lot of great reasons to get out on your bike and i'm glad to and also, the ultra family and also i mean in round like you showed before the, um, the list of um, women it was only three women that finished so um i would like to just motivate more women to to also participate in sports because in like in cycling and especially ultra cycling there are not many girls so it's a bit of a shame um that yeah it's it's like many girls think that they cannot achieve what men do and i think it's just not true it's just um the risk that you have to take that you just sign up or that you just start and you don't have anything to lose it would be cool to have more girls in there as well yeah i couldn't agree more elena well said and i am proud to know that on our show we've highlighted many women on the show and all i know from all the years of my ultra cycling is there are so many strong ones you know the females that do sign up and do start their ultra cycling careers they really push it to the extremes and break a lot of barriers. And it's exciting for me to highlight uh, girls such as yourself to be able to hear the story and also to know that, again, you've accomplished a great deal. Even in RAN, you were in the top 15 or so of overall finishers, which is very impressive, so well done. Now there's episode 51 with Lou Gibson. And I think the female viewers would love to watch that episode. It is talking a lot about that. and. She is the team manager and one of the riders of the Internationales. They're a group of female cyclists from around the world, and they are promoting and empowering women cycling. And one of the things that they do with another large group of female cyclists who have been doing it for many years is they ride the full Tour de France route before the event. As we know, there is no female Tour de France equivalent. And so it is exciting uh, to meet you all and to just see all the crazy adventures that you sign up for. And again, how strong you all are. And we know, for example, Shauna Hogan, she has also won in the female solo division of the Race Across America uh, six times, I believe, and many other times she has participated. So we look forward to seeing you, Elena, pioneering the way for all the women around the world. Now, as we wrap up here, Elena, I'm wondering, what do you think most people don't realize about ultra cycling now that you're an ultra cyclist yourself? Something that people may not appreciate, something they may not understand or realize? Huh, that's a good question. I think probably like all the training that you have to put in on a regular basis and also like the mental preparation that you have to do for yourself. Well, because people see the, the result of the race, but they mostly they can't even imagine. I mean, obviously when you don't do that sport and you mm. don't cycle much, I guess you can't imagine how many hours of training and how many kilometers are put into that mm. by the riders yeah yeah 
It's so true. I think that as well. I mean, honestly, especially when you're training for something like RAN or any of those very long distance events, there really is a lot of training and discipline day in and day out, week after week. And it's amazing uh, what we're able to accomplish. So well done, of course, from one ultra cyclist to another and everyone viewing, I'm sure can appreciate what you have achieved and how you've prepared for it. So what are your tips for people wanting to get started with ultra cycling? Anything that might've helped you? Mm, I think the most important thing, well, at least for me, it was to just trust your, your feeling and just go for it. Mm. Um, because I watched a race around Austria, which was a month before I ran, and I hadn't planned to to sign up for it at all. Um, but I got so emotional watching the riders, and I thought I just have to do it, even though my that was just my heart that told me I have to do it, and my head told me you're crazy, you can't do that, you you have no experience whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I think that's important to to listen to your gut feeling, so to say. Mm. Um, And then what maybe would have helped me a bit more is to try out nutrition that you want to use on a race. Mm. Um, To, yeah, in a longer race situation. And to try out your equipment before I bought new shoes and I hadn't used aerobars before. Um, I bought that just a few weeks before the race. I had a few problems. (laughs) So, um, I mean, if you have some more time before that, uh, um, to just get used to all the, all all the equipment that you will be using in a race. Um, Yeah, so true. Yeah, it's amazing how many small details there are and how much there is to learn. And that's why experience plays such a vital role, but also perhaps experienced uh, cyclists as you have as friends or crew members who can advise. And believe it or not, there are people, including one guest that we had on the show in one of the first episodes, who in doing the race across America was wearing brand new shoes also there at the starting line. And of course, he ended up having to switch into, fortunately, he had some older ones with him after a couple hundred miles because his feet were killing him. And in fact, it was one of the reasons that made it very difficult for him but it seems obvious when you talk about it maybe now as we're talking and you look back but you know as as you're preparing for something especially if you're not experienced it doesn't seem obvious right it seems obvious in fact to get a new pair (laughs) yeah and in my case it was um because i only received the bianchi like three weeks before the race but i really wanted to use it because i knew it was much more aero than the scott bike so I did a bike fitting and I had really old shoes and the bike fitter told me if you can just get new shoes before the race because you can save several watts. <laughs> so I thought, I thought, well, gives me a reason to buy shoes. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, geez, I wonder if every female is excited about those kinds of shoes. <laughs> Uh, maybe one day in five years after you've done all your ultra cycling, we'll have to do a tour of your home and look in your closet and maybe you'll have a whole closet full of cycling shoes. <laughs> maybe, who knows? 
All right, Elena, just two final questions here as we conclude our segment together. How would you rate yourself in terms of bicycle maintenance on a scale of one to 10, 10 being excellent? You know, simple things like just changing out the tires or lubing the chain to more complex things. Where would you put yourself on the scale? Is there a minus? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm not that bad. I mean, I can do simple things like changing tires, maybe three, something like that. But <laughs> my good luck, or sometimes it's also bad luck because I never got into doing it, is that my boyfriend really likes playing around with like spare parts and mm. um, yeah, changing everything on a bicycle. So I, I don't enjoy doing it so much. So I just mostly leave it to him. <laughs> And I'm um, glad that he, he does it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good to have a mechanic around you. But to answer your question about the negative, not that you have to say negative, but we did have young Adam Ashville, who you know, probably jokingly, he said uh, minus two. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what number would you give yourself? One to 10? Or maybe like a three. All right, pretty good. I think I might have said about a three. I might have even said two for myself when Christoph asked me. So you're in good company. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Elena, final question. Who do you want to nominate for a future episode? Is there a story that you think is worth sharing or somebody that has just inspired you? Um, I'd like to nominate two people. Yeah. Um, First one is Alexandra Meixner. Oh, yes. I would love to hear more about her stories. I guess she has so many to tell. <laughs> um, and probably for the um, American um, the, um, people listening from America, it would be um, cool to, to hear about her um, race across America experiences as well, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I would um, like to hear more about Bianca. Um, She's now called Pancha. Um, ah. Second at run. Um, about her experience at the restaurant Austria, which she okay. did. So second, second place, right? So this here on the left, that's her. And I've always found it really inspiring what she has um, accomplished during the last years. And I think it would be really cool to, to hear more details about it. Okay. Thanks for the nominations. Yes. Those sound like incredible women cyclists and just ultra cyclists in general. So we'll look forward to having them on the show soon. But for today's episode, Elena, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. I know still at the very beginning of your ultra cycling career, but already very accomplished. And so I personally look forward to following your journey and seeing you at the starting line of some crazy idea that you have again in the near future. And best wishes to you and your boyfriend as you continue your adventures. And I'm sure we'll see you all around the globe. And so I did want to point out to folks that they could follow your journey on social media online, your Facebook page, of course, they could follow you. And of course, on Instagram, Lenny Roch, if I <laughs> said that right. So is Lenny your nickname? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Very nice. Cool. Yeah. Wow. A lot of amazing photos here. Look forward to seeing what else you 
are up to. So thanks for being on the show again, Elaine. It's been a pleasure, a lot of fun. And Thank you. The craziness going. <laughs> it was really great talking to you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. And for everyone watching at home, thanks for tuning in for this great episode, The Race Around Nieder Oysterreich. I hope you could check it out someday, maybe for the cake or for the great views. And I hope that I could visit Elena one day and she could take me to all those famous climbs with the beautiful views and I can give a fake smile myself. And until next episode, everyone, keep spinning ultra.